Back in the day, Australia's newspapers were the go-to place for fiction. But the stories can be hard to find, and newspapers don't last forever. So this is where we come in. I'm Dr Rod Lamberts, and this is To Be Continued, a podcast from the Australian National University that extracts literary gold from Australia's newspapers in the 19th and early 20th century. Our old newspapers are treasure troves of forgotten literature, crammed full of stories offering glimpses of a past, both familiar and foreign. We're talking today to Professor Catherine Boat. She's a professor of literary and textual studies at the Australian National University. She's also Australian Research Council Future Fellow, which is not easy to get. That's very impressive. Her research explores literary phenomena with computational methods and computational phenomena with literary methods, which I love. I love that little turnaround. I think that's very interesting. Um, Kath is also the boss of To Be Continued. Is that fair to say, Kath? Have I represented you fairly? Yeah, well, I'm I'm the boss now. I was the one of the sole members of it for a long time. So, yeah, the boss now, I guess. Uh, look, you're allowed to be the boss of yourself. I think a lot of us are struggle to be that, so that's fair enough. Um, look, we have a lot to sort of consider here. This database or this To Be Continued project, a lot of people would not have heard of this, and it's probably to their detriment. Can you, I suppose, give us a pricey? What actually is the To Be Continued project from your point of view? What are we talking about here in an elevator pitch or dinner table conversation sort of way? Well, the elevator pitch would be that it is trying to collect all of the fiction that was published in Australian newspapers in the 19th and early 20th centuries. And one of the things we don't necessarily think of today is that most of the reading material that people in Australia had access to, certainly in the 19th century, and we're discovering well into the 20th, was actually in the newspapers. So there weren't many book publishers here, and it was really expensive to import books, and they often rotted and that sort of thing on the route. There were some literary journals, but they tended to be quite ephemeral, but there were lots and lots of newspapers. So pretty much any small town would have its own newspaper that was published twice or three times a week. And there were many newspapers within the large cities, and pretty much most of them had fiction in them. And that was to get readers to keep on buying because they could, could tell a story over many months or even years and people would keep coming back. So along with their news and, you know, the crime reporting, the information about what the cost of grain was that week, they would get their stories, sometimes multiple stories in the same newspaper. So we're trying to recreate that reading context because... We actually have in the past mainly studied Australian literature and literature in Australia based on what was in books. And what we're discovering with the To Be Continued database is that there was a lot more of it that wasn't in books. Was that something that really until you started rummaging around people weren't that clear on? Like it's not in books, it is in newspapers and periodicals. Yeah, well, back in 2012, I wrote a proposal to get money to do this project. And in that proposal, I said, we know pretty much everything about Australian literature because we've been researching it for a long time, but it would be really good to know what was the international fiction that was published alongside the Australian fiction in the newspapers. So I knew already that some of the really well-known Australian works had been published in Australian newspapers. And what I thought I would find was the famous British fiction or American fiction and so on that was in the newspapers. 
for we did find a lot of international fiction and got a much better understanding of this this reading culture as being quite cosmopolitan rather than just sort of interested in British fiction, which is what had been thought before. Um, but along with that, we also discovered heaps and heaps of local Australian fiction that we hadn't known anything about before and that has only ever been published in the newspapers. So as an example, when we started off the project, say there were about 450 Australian novels that we knew about. Well, the To Be Continued database doubles that. So we doubled the number of Australian novels known about in the 19th century. So it's, it's that sort of understanding of what was being read and what stories were being told that the To Be Continued database tries to collect and tries to make available to people to read and to enjoy and to research and also that tries to return those collections to the National Library as works that people can then discover that way as well. Ah, oh, cunning. And we probably should pause for a moment here because I was going to ask, so what is Trove to to be continued and vice versa? How do they relate? Yeah, well... What is Trove? What is Trove? Yeah. So Trove is the National Library of Australians Digital Collection. But it's much more than that. So technically, it's an aggregation engine. So it draws in a whole range of other different things, like it draws in all the state libraries' catalogues. It draws in our Australian National University's catalogue. So it's drawing together that. It's drawing together the Australian Dictionary of Biography, you know, a range of different projects, and it, it makes them all available in one space which is really valuable to researchers, to anyone who wants to find anything in Australia. And one of the parts of Trove is its historical newspaper digitization project, which is probably the most popular and certainly the most extensively used part of Trove. And what that has involved is all the libraries, all the state libraries in Australia working together to make all of the newspapers that they've collected over many, many decades and bringing them all into one space so that people can search across all of them. So everything that this project to be continued does is entirely dependent on what the National Library of Australia has done in setting up Trove because without that, I would just be in the situation of all the literary historians before me, which is that they went to one library and they sat in a reading room and they had a particular newspaper to look through the microfiche or to turn the pages. And that's how they had to explore literary history. So that's the reason why we didn't know that much about the fiction that was in the newspapers because it's a really mind-bogglingly impossible task to sit down and, and read all of these newspapers. So the possibility of bringing them all together is only really even conceivable because that's what Trove has done. Right. So it was brutally manual before that by the sounds of it. You used to have to what take your thermos full of tea and a few scones and spend your entire life in a reading room. Yeah, well, they probably would have forbidden you to have the thermos and your scone. <laughs> so Trove exists and that is available to anyone who wants to dive in or do you have exclusive access to that? No, it's completely freely available to anyone who wants to use it. And I think the best thing about Trove, in the newspapers at least, is that what you can also do is get involved in correcting 
the text of the newspapers. So you remember before I said optical character recognition when the algorithm finds the squiggles. Well, it's not very good at doing that compared to our human eyes. <laughs> I mean, it's good in that it can do thousands and thousands and thousands of pages or millions, in fact. But it's not good in that it doesn't know that ASD should really be and, and it's just a little fleck on the microfiche that has made that look like an S. So what I find completely addictive about Trove and, and about working with it with the To Be Continued database is once I've found a story that I'm interested in, I can go into it, I can pick a chapter, and then I can look at the story in the newspaper page and I can read along with it, but I, I can also, when there's mistakes, I can correct them. So I feel like a sort of virtuous reader, like I can feel like I'm sort of contributing a little bit. So, yeah, I, I really love that aspect of Trove. And it's great for this project because it means that we can gradually, with the people we've got from the public, you know, doing this work with the fiction, we can gradually build up a better and better collection or corpus of all the stories so that researchers who are interested in Australian literature or members of the public who want to read cleaner copies of the fiction can have that available through the text correction that Trove makes possible. That's phenomenal. Um, I kind of I was thinking while you were talking about this though, and I just want to clarify this notion of, I know if you're looking at old texts and particularly newspapers, seeing them in the context of the kinds of articles or advertisements and things that are around them can be a critical part of making sense of what's going on. Does any of that get lost when you go digitized forms of this these um stories, or can you you can line up both and be you can get clear text and see it in context? Well, it gets lost in the sense that we're only indexing the fiction, but because we provide access to the page where that fiction was published and the whole newspaper issues through Trove, anyone who's interested in, say, Elizabeth Braddon's Vixen, which is one of those very popular stories of the 19th century, which were these sorts of sensational stories of bigamy and all sorts of salacious things, they can look around the page and see well, who was advertising alongside in stories of bigamy? So it's all available and able to be studied and explored. And personally, I often get a little bit distracted by the advertisements and the, the news stories that come alongside the stories. Though, you know, interestingly, I think we expect them to be a little bit more connected. I've had one person who works on the the Trove database who was really interested in correcting the fiction for some of the left-wing newspapers that existed, particularly the feminist newspapers. And this person got in touch with me, fairly disappointed that the stories had all been superficial romances where she was hoping to find, you know, some more political stories. So there's an interesting disjunction as well between what the rest of the newspaper might be doing and what fiction they thought might appeal to the readers or they might have been able to get hold of for that period. Oh, that's wonderful. And look, this, this, it may, see, it's coming to life. When, when you describe it like this, all I, I, it makes me want to dive in. I feel like it's better than Netflix. Added to that, I know, you made a comment in one of the, you wrote a piece, uh, it's on the humanities.org.au site, and you made a, I think it's a really important comment that people might not necessarily notice, which is there's a substantial difference between simply indexing fiction and exploring it. And you guys are very much into this deep exploration, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of the things that is so exciting about this podcast is it's been an opportunity to bring together people who are already experts in 
you know, for instance, gothic fiction, and they can find a whole bunch of things that they're interested in working with in the database. But from my particular interest, I'm, I'm more interested in understanding how fiction moved at the time and, and how it evolved, you know, in terms of was there anything we can say was dis- distinctive about the Australian writing there compared to the British writing at scale? So that's the sort of thing I'm interested in exploring. See, that that's... Yeah, that just sounds really interesting to me. I'm maybe I'm just a big nerd, but that sounds fantastic. And and I I've got to say, from what you're saying to me, you're not in danger of being replaced by Chat GTP just yet. I mean, it's interesting because probably all of these developments are very fascinating because they can be used to improve the records that we have. But by the same token, the question of what's interesting to know about fiction is not something that Chat GPT will necessarily be able to decide, let alone once they have particular results to be able to say what's relevant to Australian history or relevant to a particular group of readers and so on. So yeah, I think there's no chance of being replaced, but I think what I find the most exciting is how reading and writing are being changed by technology. You know, just just as it was not possible 10 years ago to to do this type of work. Equally, who knows what we're going to be able to do in 10 years with ChatGPT or it's him. At this rate, what we're going to be able to do in 10 months, I think is kind of mind boggling. <laughs> I'm related to that then. I wanted to ask you sort of more broadly, as you've you know wandered through this project, biggest surprises and maybe also biggest disappointments that have you know crossed your, your desk or your screen. Yeah, well, I think the thing that I would say is the most surprising and as soon as i say it i'll think of another thing so let's try this one to start with is how long some of these stories were i mean they could be over ten thousand words in a single edition of a newspaper so to me the commitment you would have to give to sort of reading ten thousand words or more in a single issue of a newspaper is really just a different type of reading experience to how i think of it which is Mostly today, you know, snuggling up in bed with a, a book that I can hold in my hand or even an audio book that I can just close my eyes and listen to. This would have been sending people blind, I think, having to, to read such fine print along such narrow columns. So that was something I found really surprising. Another thing, as I said, was just the sheer scale of the Australian fiction in the newspapers. And one of the things that has surprised me about the way that Australian fiction was published was that there were all of these companies that existed in the 19th century that were dedicated to providing all these tiny newspapers with fiction. So we sort of think of each publication as being unique. But in the 19th century, what often happened was 30 or 40 or 50 newspapers would buy a ready-made set of pages with the fiction published on it to slot into their newspaper and stories would be saying things like now first published and first time in the world this has been you know brought to readers or whatever the smallest newspaper was but it was being concurrently done 50 times all the way through the colonies so even though we've thought about these colonies as quite separate in their reading cultures, these companies actually meant that 
people in Western Australia and Tasmania and Queensland were reading the same story at the same time. That, that's kind of wildly cool. It's like viral without having to use anything electronic. I'm very impressed, actually. Um, okay, what about disappointments and things that you, you, you hope you'd find or things you thought would be available but weren't or any anything that would sort of, you'd say is, ah, oh, bummer, I wish it had been different? I don't think there would be a single thing I would say is a disappointment in terms of what has been found because I think that one of the, I think I'm quite agnostic to um, quality in a way. So as a professor of literary studies, I guess the impression would be that I'm very focused on quality but I'm actually just super fascinated by what people were reading and writing. In terms of hopes and dreams for the future, we've just started looking at the 20th century fiction, which I'm really excited about. I mean, we found new novelists that we hadn't known about previously in the 19th century, so I wonder, are there new ones in the 20th century that we don't know about that are waiting there to be discovered? So there's a lot to learn and a lot to be excited about for the future as long as we can keep doing it. So the good news is, Trove has been refunded, which is superb news. It's great. And it's looking forward, which technically we're not really doing a lot in this podcast, but let's look to the future of Trove. What does this refunding mean to you? What does it allow you and others who are related to this work to do? Yeah, well, it's absolutely brilliant news for pretty much all researchers in Australia who work with anything to do with Australian history and also for all the other communities that are um, involved in these newspapers and in discovering things about their families and their communities from them. So, you know, basically the funding means that Trove, the National Library, can continue to meet what are actually its its, its statutory obligations under law. So the Australian government says that the National Library has to collect all materials published in Australia and make them available. And so this funding allows the National Library to do through Trove what it's by law required to do. For this particular project, the funding is great news and an enormous relief. I was really keeping all of my fingers and toes crossed because without it, the project itself would have not been around any longer and the last 10 years of my work and other people's work would have been lost. Another thing this means is that Trove can continue to grow its newspaper collection because even though Trove is the largest open access collection of historical newspapers in the world, I would say that only around 35 to 40% of the newspapers that circulated in Australia have been digitised. So that means there's still an enormous trove of materials that can be digitised and made available. And for, for this particular project, it means that there's so much more fiction to discover and who knows what previously unrecorded Australian authors or Australian works are lurking in those undigitised newspapers that we can discover now that Trove has the funding to continue its important work. It's been really excellent talking to you, Kath, and this has set a really solid scene for the, the future episodes that are going to come out in the To Be Continued podcast. We're going to talk about ghosts and Australian Gothic. We're going to talk bushrangers, children's fiction. We're going to talk about aeroplanes, stories within stories. It's going to be deep, rich and, and, and broad covering. So um, this is just an exciting beginning to what's been happening. So thank you very much for joining us and doing this. Thanks very much. I'm looking forward to uh, the rest of the podcast. You've been listening to the To Be Continued podcast from the Australian National University. If you've enjoyed the podcast, please tell someone about it. 
We'd love as many people as possible to hear these amazing stories.